Hello, you guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Seems Like Die Culture podcast. If you are new here, I'm so grateful that you have decided to join us. My name is Nari Page. I'm a registered dietitian, and I'm also your host of this podcast. And if you haven't listened before, this is the podcast where we discuss and dissect wellness trends, nutrition rules, exercise programs, what influencers and leading quote-unquote wellness experts say so that you can get your questions answered and understand how you want to implement these things into your life or if you want to implement them at all because there is so much crap out there nowadays. I swear it grows every single day and it's so exhausting, isn't it? Today's podcast episode, it's, it's going to be a doozy. Okay, we are going in because we're talking about 75 hard. This podcast has been, it's been on its way since I even ideated the idea of this, but I've been trying to time it perfectly. And I was recognizing that when most people start to think about this is towards the new year. And so this is the right timing to finally release it. Now, I want to preface this with the fact that I know people in my life personally that have done 75 hard. I know about the people on their pages that promote this workout plan. I shouldn't even say fitness workout plan. It's transformational mental toughness program. That's the name of it. And I'm not trying to say this to be offensive or dissect this for people to feel like I am attacking something that they did. To be honest, I actually went into this podcast thinking that I would obviously dissect the parts of it that were problematic. I would talk about the pros, which I'm going to do both of those things. But overall, I didn't have as much of a feeling of like, ugh, when I thought about it. I mean, it still bothered me to give you a little giveaway, I guess. It still bothered me. Still knew that there were parts of this that are very problematic, along with parts of it that could be potentially helpful. But I listened to the podcast from the founder, Andy Frazella, this morning, and it made me feel rage. (laughs) True rage. I'm not even going to lie. I don't know if you guys are on TikTok, but there's this whole thing going around right now about female rage and like the power of female rage and how men will never fully understand it. That's a total tangent from the podcast episode today. But as I was listening to this, I was completely in awe of how this was spoken about. And we're also going to be adding in the dimensions of that to this conversation now because I feel like everyone that just talks about the diet itself and like they just look at the rules and then dissect the rules, they're missing the bigger picture. And that's honestly, like to call myself out, that's what I was going to do or that's what I was thinking about when I was initially ideating for this podcast. But I really like to do all the research that I can and I wanted to hear his perspective. I wanted to give him the chance to explain to me and maybe understand his thought process a little bit more and even learn a little bit more about his story, which I've also done. I've gone through and I've looked at his story and understood where, you know, he came from and all of that. But 
it just, it, it went differently than I thought it was going to. So I feel like this episode could be a long one. So we need to just dive into it. We're going to strap in, maybe grab some coffee, especially grab whatever the frick you want, especially in light with this episode. Put that creamer in the coffee, you know, grab your, I don't know, what else would you want to grab? Something that sounds good. (laughs) And let's get ready to dive into 75 hard. All right. What the heck is it? So this was created by Andy Frazella, who is an entrepreneur. He is the founder of First Form. And he did this in 2019. From his website that is the marketing page, basically, or landing page for 75 Hard, this is exactly how he describes it word for word. This is not a fitness program. 75 Hard is a transformational mental toughness program. If you're looking for a new fitness program or challenge, this is not it. This is a program that can change your life, starting from the inside. Are there physical changes? Yes. But trust me when I say the physical changes you see on the outside are a fraction of the results you can earn by completing 75 hard. As you read and learn about the program below, keep that in mind. This is not your internet challenge. Think of this as an Iron Man for your brain. So to go along with this, he's talked about this program so many times, partially because he has a bunch of different things on his podcast and his website, but also because people interview him constantly about this. So I've taken different claims that he's made, whether it be in the first podcast or that he's documented on his website or that he said in podcasts. And every single time he says that this is less about building muscle or losing weight and more about exercising skills like determination, self-esteem, confidence, and discipline, skills that are required for any type of success in life. So outside of these, you can see on his 75 Hard website all of the different stuff that he says about it. I personally read through all of it, but I just didn't feel like most of it was relevant. It was basically a sales page. But there have also just been claims that he's made generally that I wanted to read through to give you an understanding of how much he says this program can do. He says that it can help you to make huge strides in your career and have a job that you are proud of. Feel completely confident about yourself and your actions. Learn how to manage your day so you can get more done and quit wasting time on meaningless things. Develop amazing relationships with the people who matter in your life. Gain independence and the ability to take complete ownership of projects and tasks. Completely overhaul the way that you think and act. Learn to be honest with yourself and gain the self-awareness to stay on track. Be in the best physical shape of your life as a result of the mental transformations you have made. So now that you have an understanding of all the different things that it claims it can do, I want to explain the rules to you of this. There are five rules, technically, but also there are kind of more rules than five, if I'm being honest. So I'm going to explain to you the five actual rules, but then I'm also going to give you the context of other things that he says break the rules that I would add as an, in as another rule. So number one, if you skip a day, you must start over. 
This was not technically a rule in like the first five, but it is one of the fundamental principles. So if you skip a day or you mess up any of these, technically you must start over. Number two, pick a diet to follow with no alcohol or cheat meals. Three, drink a gallon of water daily. Four, complete two daily 45-minute workouts, and one of these workouts has to be outside. Five, read 10 pages per day of a nonfiction book. It has to be a physical book, and it also must be nonfiction for self-development. It can't be any type of fiction book. Number six, take a progress photo every day. So these are the rules. But as I listen to his podcast about this, something that I want to point out is that let's say that you did a diet. You can choose any diet that you want. But let's say that you quote unquote cheated on that diet, then technically you failed and you're supposed to start over. Let's say you drink less, like one ounce less than a gallon of water, you're supposed to start over. Let's say you complete two of the daily 45-minute workouts, but one of them is not outside, you have to start over. Let's say you break your leg or you are in a wheelchair. He has little used these examples. That's why I'm saying that. And you don't complete the workouts. You technically failed and need to start over. If you read, but you don't read a nonfiction book, you need to start over. And if you don't take your progress photo or you miss it, you need to start over. So that's technically, yes, these are the rules, but also just keep in mind that any variation outside of the rules is failure and there is absolutely no flexibility. He says that there's no compromise. There's no flexibility. It is supposed to be completed exactly like this with no excuses at all, even depending on the circumstances. For example, in the podcast episode, he said, I don't care if it's a tornado outside, you still need to go out. But then he also said, as a disclaimer after that, if there's a lightning storm and you get hit by lightning, don't try to blame me. So I guess you can take that however you want. (laughs) Now, the other thing is he makes a really, really, really big emphasis on the fact that he does not consider this a physical transformation program. He says that physical transformations can come about from this, but he said it is a a mental transformation, mental toughness program. I was interested to see how he makes this look then on his website and on his sales page. And he does speak to transformations that are both mental and physical. But as you scroll through There are pictures of multiple different people from their first day to their last day of the physical transformations. And most often when you do hear people talk about this just on TikTok or wherever else, they are also discussing the physical transformations they've had more than the mental transformations. So even if that's not how he intended it, I just wanted to share that a lot of the focus, even on his sales page, is still on the physical part. I don't want to argue if it's more physical or more mental. It's just something that I wanted to at least bring up to have you guys understand that it's still very much a part of the way that they're looking and selling this program. 
So something that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about, though, is how he actually decided to create this. And this is some insight that the podcast episode gave me. I actually looked through a lot of different articles and stuff about how he decided to create this, but that was more after the fact. And this very initial podcast episode, which I've gone back and forth on this, but I do think I'm going to include it down below in case you guys do want to hear it. I wouldn't suggest it, but if you do want to hear it, um, he shares exactly why he did create this. So the first thing that I'll say is that he said that without knowing it, this has been 20 years in the making and he just didn't know what to call it or what he was doing until he was in this certain situation. So the situation that you may be wondering is that he had a bet with this company and I missed what the company was, but regardless, it was a company. And it was a $250,000 bet that at a certain time of year, like there was a specific date that they decided that he would be at 10% body fat. So when he was looking at it and trying to plan to make sure that he hit that goal, he realized that it just happened to be 75 days from where he was at until he needed to be at that percentage. So because of that and because of his past experiences of utilizing similar techniques to reach physical goals, he decided to put them together and make it into the challenge that is 75 hard. So as you're listening to this, you may be wondering and thinking $250,000, like that's insane. That's a ton of money. Like what, who is this guy? That was also a question that I had before starting to research him. I knew a little bit about this man, but not a ton. So I wanted to give you a little bit of background on him as well. So he is the CEO of First Form, which is a supplement company. I do want to make note of the fact that to his credit, he does not weave in having to use his supplements in the challenge. And I feel like it would be easy to think that that would be something he would do just because a lot of other supplement companies do it. He does say that he thinks it will help, but it is not explicitly noted that you need to use the supplements. I just wanted to make that clarification because it's not necessarily like a first form challenge. It's his specific challenge. So there's a long backstory to how Andy Frazella started his business. And I was just curious about it because if you've never seen him before, he is an objectively very muscular, tall, large, white man. And I was just kind of curious about his backstory. So I am just going to give you the very, very, very quick synopsis of it without the deepest understanding. But he was a kid that grew up in Missouri. He said he grew up on a dirt road and didn't have a lot of money. Never really makes mention of his mom, but is very, very, very complimentary of his father and how he helped him to grow. And I believe his father was also an entrepreneur as well. And he says that he exhibited entrepreneurial spirit from a very young age, like selling lemonade at lemonade stands and walking door to door and doing, I think it was baseball cap sales. And 
he didn't have a lot of things that were afforded to him naturally at that young age, and he had a really hard time in school. He makes note of the fact that he was consistently called fat and bullied and that the teachers made fun of him and uses sentences like, I was too focused on junk food and not focused enough on being successful in life. And he really talks about how his childhood and the way that people spoke to him, teachers, kids, all of that, and even school and not being interested in school affected him, which... Obviously, that's a very challenging experience to have as a kid. I don't think anyone should ever be spoken to that way by a teacher, by a student, by a peer. So that is something that's really hard to deal with. And I feel like it's good to give context because whenever I'm listening to someone, I always try to understand more what the angle is that they may be coming from. But I also think it's important to understand people's backgrounds to be able to have a better idea of their reality and why they would think that something makes sense for other people to do. So there were two things I wanted to do there. Now, the other thing that I want to mention is that then he ended up opening a store. Um, It was a supplement store with one of his friends. I believe his name was Chris. They really grinded to be able to open it. They had multiple jobs. They started off like $12,000 and then everything got stolen And then he's built First Form into, like, I think $150 million revenue company yearly, which obviously is incredibly impressive that he was able to do that. I also want to mention, though, as you can imagine, outside of that, considering he is an author, he's a speaker, he's a podcaster, he owns First Form, or he's a CEO of First Form, he has an incredibly high net worth. His net worth is around $110 million for what I could find, which, of course, there is always some discrepancy within net worth when you're looking online. But I would imagine that this is definitely at least along the realm of something similar to what he's made because of all of the different accolades and things that he's been doing and companies he's founded and all of that different stuff. So this is the little bit of the background on Andy Frazella. Now, if you don't want to listen to that podcast, which I would suggest you don't do it, just because it's honestly pretty painful, he has a incredibly strong, intense personality. If you were to put hustle culture and alpha male, (laughs) I'm saying that in an ironic way, alpha male into a person, that is pretty much how I would imagine him. So to give you a way that he talks on the podcast, it sounds a little bit like this. I don't care if you don't want to do it. You need to have mental determination and toughness because I'm not a pussy. I don't fucking care if you want to do this or if you don't want to do this. That's why you're failing in life. Sorry, I don't usually cuss on this podcast, but I just feel like you guys needed the full effect. So we went for it. And I wish I was exaggerating, but to be honest, I'm like literally not exaggerating. It's it's even worse than you may think. So on this podcast episode where he talks about 75 hard for the first time in 2019, he does have this guest that's like kind of there, but really he's just listening to everything he says and like agreeing with them. Supposedly he's a pastor in the Catholic church, which is an interesting combination that they get into. And as I was going through this podcast episode about 75 Hard, I just had to make notes 
on some of the things that I was hearing because it was so shocking to me that I felt like you guys couldn't have the full effect of what this challenge really was and how it was created and their viewpoint on things without hearing some of these points. So I won't go on forever and ever, especially if you're going to listen to it, but here are a few that really stood out to me. So the first thing that they talked about is that, or not the very first thing, but the first thing that I want to talk about that was mentioned is that there was actually someone, I'm not sure who this man was, but there was someone that gave him the criticism or the feedback that he was confused as to why there were so many physical transformation pieces within the challenge or why Andy Frazella has so many physical transformation challenges, but not mental ones. And he was saying, you need a mental challenge. And so Andy's response to this was, mother effort, this is a mental toughness challenge. He then goes on multiple times throughout the podcast to try to prove that all of these things really have nothing to do with physical transformations and everything to do with continually completing tasks, even when things are not ideal or when you can't control the environment and making sure that you don't make excuses. And at the core of it, that is a physical toughness challenge rather, or sorry, a mental toughness challenge rather than a physical toughness challenge. So he does not believe anyone that says this is more of a physical transformation challenge and more so that it is a mental transformation challenge. I just want to make the quickest note of the fact that going back to why he created this, it was to get down to 10% body fat. But just a quick, quick note. Now, one of the examples that he gives to prove this or to explain how he exhibits mental toughness in the day-to-day was that he flew his dad up to Colorado to stay in a cabin and do some sort of trip and spent $100,000 doing this for him and some of his friends, I believe, as well. And he did not go because he said that he had a goal that he was working on that he was focused on. So instead of going to spend that time on the trip with his dad that he paid for, he stayed at home. They then tied this type of conversation into the food conversation. Because in the podcast, they go through all the five, that's the ones that they name, the five different rules and talk about why he did them and what that would look like and the reasoning for it. So this is when the guy comes in. I still cannot remember his name. I think it may have been Chris, but I think they're both Chris. Oh my gosh. It's And they talk about how food is so fundamental and so foundational. So the pastor says that your food is is your relationship to food is so fundamental to your life that it ties into religion as well. And he was explaining how he had this birthday party that came up 
or it was a Super Bowl party, actually, that came up for him. And he decided that he couldn't go because he hadn't developed the discipline to be able to go to the party and not have some of the snacks or have a drink or whatever else it was. And this was also going along with the example that Frizella said that on this challenge, if you can't go to a birthday party and not have cake, then you shouldn't be going because you haven't developed the discipline and you don't have the ability to say no, which you need to learn. So those are some different things that came up as I was listening. As I'm sure you gathered in my example of how he speaks, I was really personally like, shocked by how strong some of the things that he was saying were. I mean, as I alluded to, there was a time where he said, I don't care if you're in an effing wheelchair, get outside and wheel around for 45 minutes. So there was that. He talked about how his wife was torturous to have to live with in the sense of what she made every day. Not like her herself. He didn't say that. But he was saying, like, because she's a chef and she's making these cookbooks, it's torturous to have to be there, especially because he's a fat kid. So I thought that was kind of interesting to hear him use that language around it. And there are a lot of other circumstances with these rules where he explains that he doesn't think that most people can complete this. He thinks it's a 1% of the population. He thinks that most people don't have any discipline, that they constantly make excuses and are lazy and they don't try hard enough and that's why they're failing and they don't have confidence in so many areas of their life. He even goes as far to say something at the end where he mentions that he has a lot of men that message him asking how to meet girls, and he says, want to meet girls, do this effing program. So, yeah, there's a lot to dissect that came up in that podcast episode. I honestly feel like we could have gone through and listened to it and paused it every five minutes, not even five, like every... 30 seconds, dissected what he said, and then got back into it. Because that is how much there was in this podcast. So I feel like we could spend all day on that, but now I really want to get into the pros and the cons and then also the bigger takeaways. Plus, I'm going to explain or share some of y'all's experiences that I got from Instagram too. And it's all different types and all different thoughts. So just wanted to give you an idea of what we're going through in the next steps. But let's start off with the pros. We have to start off with the pros before we get into the real meat of this. And just like pretty much anything in the entire world, I shouldn't say anything, but a lot of things, There can always be pros or cons. Always. And so for me, it's hard to find the pros in this challenge, but I know that some people have experiences that are positive and I'm trying to also put myself in the shoes of different types of people 
And that's what I'm saying in these pros. I don't want you to take these pros as me saying these are suggestions as to why you should do it, but rather trying to at least give the benefit of the doubt and not just come off as I'm only looking at this in a one-sided way because it's important to look at all different angles. So one of the things that I agree with, although I don't necessarily agree with how Frizella shares this, but I agree with the fact that consistency, even when you have challenges, is key. This is actually something that we talk about a lot, even when I'm working with people and their relationship with food. Because when you are working to heal your relationship with food, like there are so many challenges that come up. Not only life challenges, but mental challenges, body image challenges, food, exercise. There's a lot of challenges. And in those moments, it's so easy to just want to go back to what you were doing before, to go back to restriction or to exercising the way you were or whatever else it could be for you. But it is important to recognize that even if every single day we're not taking these huge strides and steps forward, at least if we can be consistent and just show up for ourselves in whatever way that looks like for us, that's a benefit. So I understand the fact that consistency, even when challenges are present, is key. And to go along with that, the other part of him saying recognizing that conditions it Whoa, whoa. Recognizing that conditions aren't always going to be perfect is also super important. We cannot always control our environment. We can do the best that we can, but that doesn't mean that we always are going to be able to say that this is exactly what we want and that's going to be what comes true. And it can really hurt us if we don't have the ability to still continue forward and to still take care of ourselves, even when conditions aren't perfect. I just like, I guess I cannot say conditions today. Now for me, what I think of more with this is again, in in regards to healing your relationship with food or when you're having a bad day and still taking care of yourself mental health wise. Oh, do you hear that motorcycle? A little bit loud. I don't agree with this in the sense that he says where it could be thunderstorming or tornadoing and you should still be going outside, but I get the concept of this as well. A few other things that I feel like are supposed pros or at least could be taken as pros is that In some ways, choosing your quote-unquote diet could be ambiguous enough that you could do something that's not as harmful, like intuitive eating. Although I don't believe that he would believe that intuitive eating is something that would be fine for this because he used examples of saying something like having a handful of popcorn or a scoop of peanut butter is cheating. So... I don't think he would be down for this, but I am saying that technically it is up to you and no one is monitoring you doing this. And you can also choose the type of movement that you do as well. The only two things that I really stand behind as a thing that you could do in the program is like focusing on your water intake, although there is a caveat to that that I'll explain in the cons, and also the reading piece of it. I mean, I feel like reading is something that's super beneficial, and I actually think that 10 pages a day is a very fair thing to do. I don't think that that would be super difficult for everyone. Now, of course, I come from a place of 
having a partner, no kids, a steady income. I have a lot of factors that make it easier for me to spend my time doing something like that, that I may not understand of the person that's working three jobs as a single mother. And honestly, that may not be realistic. But I think there are people that that is realistic for. And I think even just the reading aspect in general, I personally think is something that is really beneficial and can be something that a lot of people could enjoy. The last thing that I want to mention that I don't know if I said as specifically is that they do add in taking a break from alcohol into here. And I think that the idea that we can take moments of being away from alcohol is really helpful for many people. I don't necessarily know if it really needs to be this intense, in my opinion. Obviously, if you're dealing with alcoholism, this is a totally different story. And I'm not at all trying to speak on that. But I think being able to have times where you take space from anything along these lines, anything extreme or anything that alters our mind or whatever it is, it can be something that's helpful to us. But again, just like with every one of these things that I just gave a pro, the extremity of it and the specificity of it is what starts to bring it downhill. So I gave you the pros But now we need to get into the cons, and I'll share my overarching view on how they outweigh each other, but you try to deduce it as I go through here as well. So the first thing that we have to talk about, because you know that this podcast is all about evidence-based, science-backed, trends, facts, all of that stuff, is that this has no proven benefits. Yes, you can look through all of the lay experiences, which is basically an experience from something that is not like an experiment. They don't have it in a study. They don't have it actually proven. It's just someone sharing an experience they have. You can look through and see all the positives that came from it. And I'm not at all saying that those are not real. They're someone's lived experience, and I am validating that. I'm just saying that that is not the same as having a study where we can see a change in someone, where we can look at a trial. So this is not proven, and it's also not evidence-based. For example, you could look at a different program that may not have gone through a clinical trial, but they are using evidence-based information to formulate that plan. So... If it's not evidence-based and it's not proven benefits, that means that we can't guarantee any of these results and we also can't guarantee the safety of it as well, especially because it is pretty much him saying that this was his experience and because that's his experience, it's going to work for other people. That's essentially how he shared it. That's not even me just trying to make that up from what he said. He basically speaks to the fact that in the podcast, this is something that he did. So then it should work for other people as well. Now, the second biggest thing that we need to talk about is how unsustainable and unrealistic this is for most people. Again, that does not mean all people. But for most people, especially those that are less privileged and have less income and are parents, single parents, live in areas where there's not a lot of access to things or where it's very unsafe, this isn't something they can do. First of all, they may not be able to do it for that long. They may not have the money to afford the things on the diet that they think they need to be doing, which again is their choice, but I'm just throwing that out there. 
they may not have the time. Literally, they may not have the time to be able to do this for 75 days. And also, it may just be something that for them is unrealistic because of injuries that they have from their past, because of the fact that they don't have the time, as I already said before, or because of 600 kajillion other reasons, because we're all unique and different, and we can't necessarily spend this much time doing it. Oh, another point that I wanted to mention too, is even just how much people are working, or who is supporting them, or if they're in school, and especially how these areas being compromised, like let's say that you say you don't have time because if you have to give up that time, you have to give up sleep. So they still do it. Is it really healthier to have to give up the two hours of sleep and only sleep six hours instead of eight hours in order to complete this? Is it really healthy and sustainable to be exhausted all day during work or during school if this is hard for you to complete just in the name of doing this challenge? You have to kind of put yourself into the shoes of the realistic nature of this. And if it actually makes sense, not just if you can do it, but if it actually makes sense. And then there's a whole other category of people that actually can't do it. Not trying to get extreme, but I feel like sometimes we need that snap back to reality. Think about the people that grew up in Project 8 housing where there is crime and gun violence all around them and it is completely unsafe for them to go outside. Do you still want that person going outside? No. (laughs) I would hope that he would say no. I don't know, honestly. I'm not sure what he would say Um, because I'm not him, but that's something to think about. Another thing to think about is when I lived in Oklahoma, there were tons of people that didn't have access to food around them, any type of nourishing food. It was 45 minutes to an hour to just get to a gas station. So if they put themselves in this position where they think that they have to eat this certain way, how is that necessarily going to be sustainable? Maybe they can't even afford to have food or they don't have access to clean water. So how is this going to be sustainable for them or realistic? Now, I get that you guys may be sitting here listening and thinking, oh my gosh, Mallory, you're being so extreme. You're grasping for straws. And I get that. But guys, we need to think about the reality of a lot of other people in the world. And not everybody lives in the same amount of privilege as we do. And to act like someone that can't complete these because of those reasons is just making excuses and they're lazy and not disciplined and they're a failure is not only harmful, but it's ridiculous. And it's honestly, frankly, in my opinion, embarrassing that he wouldn't even speak to the fact that there could be exceptions to why this wouldn't make sense for someone. Now let's get into more of the actual rules themselves and what I think about them. So the physical aspect of it, doing the two 45-minute workouts a day and one outside. Here's the thing, guys. This has been proven time and time again to not be beneficial for your body. Yes, there are athletes out there that are doing two-a-days, and I get that. I know that there are people that can push it to the extreme, but you also need to remember that with an athlete, this is their whole job. And just like our job is to go to work or to school for however many hours a day, not everybody does that. Their job is to perform in their sport. 
And they have a lot of support in order to be able to do that. A lot of parameters, a lot of supplements, a lot of nutrition that they get in order to be able to complete things like that, that make it easier for their body to sustain that. But even they do not sustain that in the long term. It's typically short term. So even 75 days is a really long time to be able to do that. And you may ask, well, why is it bad for you? Well, that's because exercise is a stressor. So many people do not want to believe this, but exercise is a stress on your body. That doesn't mean it's always a bad stress, but it's a stress. We need a level of stress in our life in all different areas, but we also have to be mindful of how much stress it is that we are putting on our body, especially with intense exercise, particularly strength training or HIIT training. It causes tiny tears in your muscle fiber, which don't be worried because that's not a bad thing to have those muscle tears because typically what happens is these muscle fibers, they repair themselves and that's actually what grows your muscle and that's what builds strength. But as I'm sure you can imagine, if you don't allow your muscles time to repair themselves then they just continually have micro tear after micro tear without the ability to be able to build it back up. And when that happens then what do you do? Well, you can have injuries in your muscles. You can have just overall pain. You can deal with a lot of repercussions when you are older from not really taking over, taking care of it. You can have a lot of inflammation. And overall, it can just harm your body much, much, much more than it helps it by not being able to take any rest. And this is why we talk about intuitive movement and listening to your body. Because if your body is telling you, hey, I really need to rest, I'm in pain, and you ignore that, I can guarantee you it is not helping you in the long run. The mental toughness, quote unquote, that you're gaining from pushing yourself through a workout when you shouldn't is not actually going to be beneficial. I think that the question that it leaves me with is if this is technically a mental toughness challenge, then why do we need to be doing two workouts a day? I mean, and why can there not be rest days? Wouldn't it even require a level of mental toughness to be able to decide when you're going to rest? Or could one of those days be like a stretching day? Like, why couldn't one of those days be a 45-minute stretching day instead? Or a rolling day? Or, I don't know, there's so many different things it could be. So it brings up the question for me, of why do we have to focus on specifically working out when I would honestly argue I would find it way freaking harder to do 45 minutes of stretching and rolling than I would doing a workout, I feel like, in some circumstances. I don't know because I've never done this challenge and I never would, but I'm just kind of throwing out some thinking points for you. Okay, so the second piece that, of course, I want to talk about is the diet part. And there's a lot of different angles that I want to discuss with this. Okay, so number one, yes, it's a pro that he allows you to choose. But second, it's a con because the way that he talks about it is so restrictive. No cheat days. You're all lazy and losers and blah, 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 blah. But I also think the bigger picture of this is how dangerous it is to be putting someone on a very, very intense fitness program. And yes, he can say that it's a mental toughness challenge, but at the end of the day, we need to address the, pa- the fact that the main percentage of this that people are going to be spending time on is the diet and exercise part outside of everything else. Nothing else in the program rivals these two things. So if we think about that, then we have to recognize 
that this is going to be very intense for someone's body, even someone that is very fit objectively or that knows a lot about this could still be struggling with it. So if those people pick a random diet, let's say they pick Whole30 or they decide to count their macros or whatever it is that they choose, especially any type of fad, and it's not something like intuitive eating, they are at risk for a lot of really dangerous things. They could be absolutely just bottoming out their energy reserves every single day by not having enough carbohydrates. They could be consistently eating under their resting energy expenditure, which would be creating a horrible effect on their metabolism over time and really negatively impacting their body in the long run, especially because then if you're not eating enough, even if you're not intentionally not eating enough, you could be going into your muscle reserves, which... Don't forget that when you're accidentally restricting or purposely restricting, the first place that we've found consistently in studies that your body goes to break down muscle in order to use it for energy when you don't have enough is your gut because your gut is easily broken down smooth muscle. So hence gut health problems. Next, it's muscles. So now you're working out, you're tearing your muscles, doing those little micro tears, you're not having any break, you're not eating enough, and now your body is also going to be taking from your muscles as well, your skeletal muscles, and breaking those down for energy. Let's just say we can imagine that there's a very negative scenario here, and I would be so freaking curious to know if they were actually doing body scans on this and they looked at people's muscles how much of this quote-unquote weight that they're losing could also be from their muscle mass because they are breaking it down so much that they are losing weight and muscle weighs more than fat weighs. So I would be so interested to know what that actually looks like. Of course, he would never share something like that or he has never shared something like that that I have been able to find. Another thing to think of is if people decide to go vegan, They could be at risk for tons of different deficiencies like vitamin B12, vitamin D, a bunch of other things, or even protein too. I'm not saying that every time you're a vegan, you have to be deficient in protein. I know vegans and vegetarians can feel very agitated by that. But the bottom line that I'm trying to share is if you are not knowledgeable about nutrition and about fueling your body, technically doing a plan that is the most similar to an athlete, which most athletes have full-on nutrition programs, dietitians that are helping them. I mean, this is what I used to do. I used to work in sports nutrition. Then you are really putting your body in a dangerous place where you could have a lot of scary repercussions. And that's not to mention the restriction part. I could go on a whole thing about the restriction part, but I've read this article from Colleen Christensen, which I absolutely love her work. She is incredible. And she just put it so perfectly that I just wanted to read you guys exactly what she says on the restriction piece of it and the study that she uses as well. So she says, the more that we restrict foods, the stronger our brain response of reward, attention, and motivation is to images of food, which can make us more susceptible to binging behaviors when compared to those who are eating enough to meet their needs. Need more? There is a study that shows dieters will drink more of a milkshake versus non-dieters. Imagine this. I'm about to tell you to hold your breath for longer than you usually would when breathing normally. What would you do? Take a big breath of air, right? You don't know when you'll get air next. Then, after going without air for a while, and I say, okay, you can breathe, you're going to probably take another big breath, right? 
Same thing with food and restricting it. Now, it's important to note that this happens when you restrict food overall, but also types of foods. Even if you allow yourself to drink the milkshake, but you think it's bad or unhealthy, you will be likely to eat more than if you had a healthy relationship with food and no food rules. She actually has a post on this called 12 Reasons Not to Diet, to diet that goes over this more, and I can link this article in the show notes. She goes on, nutrition is important. I'm a registered dietitian. I know that. This is especially true when you're adding in exercise like the 75 hard challenge mandates. When we exercise, we too are considered athletes. We may not be at the level of a D1 or NBA player, but some basic nutrition knowledge, gentle nutrition, on macronutrient timing and food combining, which food combining is not the trend that we talk about with Kinsey Burke. It's like how to put your food together to feel the most satiated and to help your body. And pairing can help us to reach our fitness goals. But just because nutrition is important doesn't mean you need food rules to accomplish nutritional health. We know that intuitive eating is the best way to prevent disordered eating and poor body image. And by adding these food rules when doing 75 hard, it directly contradicts the mental progress it claims to give you. Oh my gosh, that is such a freaking mic drop moment. It's just so good. That's why I wanted to read it. There's so many other things that I could say with this. I want to first address that, yes, I do agree with the fact that depending on what you choose, 75 hard does not have to feel restrictive to everyone. But I think by the way that he talks about it, a lot of people are going to err on the side of restriction and food rules because that's kind of what he presents. I mean, talking about how a handful of popcorn or a spoonful of peanut butter will ruin it. Like, what? So... That naturally is going to likely lead to feeling like you should restrict yourself, even if it's not in the amount of food, but in terms of the type of food. And that will, without fail, lead to some of this process. And even if there are anomalies out there, like maybe Andy Frizzell, maybe he doesn't have that. You know, I'm not going to deny people of their experience, but it sounds like from how he was explaining it that he resonates with some of that, even without maybe knowing it. That's me jumping to conclusions, so take that with the smallest grain of salt and me just allegedly coming up with something. But at the end of the day, is it really healthier to have all that mental discourse going on day to day about what is allowed and what is not allowed in your diet and potentially the stress around what to eat and what not to eat than it is to just have an intuitive nature to what you have and focus on what helps you feel best and educate yourself on the things that help you feel best with gentle nutrition and all of those things. Like, does the mental benefit of doing this actually outweigh the cons? I am in no way convinced of that. And I understand, again, like Colleen was saying, I understand the importance of nutrition. I know that my angle that I speak about is more in line with disordered eating and eating disorders. So, I present things in a specific way for my audience. But guys, I get the importance of nutrition. I know about gentle nutrition. I know all of those things. And I know how food can still affect our body. And I thoroughly disagree with the idea that this is helping with mental toughness. I really do. Especially when he gives examples, like he did earlier, around the cake of not being able to go out and have an experience of eating cake for someone's birthday? How in the heck does that relate to building strong relationships when you can't even go to a Super Bowl party, go to a birthday party, go on a trip with your dad? I mean, it just comes off as 
so extreme. And the last thing that I want to say on this point of the diet part is just that we know that food nourishes us in all different ways. As per example of the birthday party, that's a connection that it's building. As the example of traveling, it's the experience that it's building. As per the example of the exercise, it's fuel that you're giving yourself. There's so many different ways that food can nourish us and nourish our relationships in our life. And totally ignoring those aspects is such a disservice to us because when we look at blue zones, when we look at people that have developed their healthiest self, almost always we see that those people are eating intuitively, that they have balance, and that they're incorporating all of these different angles into their life. And at the least, having a low level of stress around food itself. I mean, I just, I can't get over the dad thing. I can't get over the fact that because you're focusing on some goal, it's more important to do that than to spend time with your family members. I just, I mean, not to mention the fact that he paid $100,000 and is trying to make himself seem like the average Joe. I mean, whatever. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, let's get into the other part, which is the body checking, the progress pictures. <laughs> progress pictures, I mean, this is the part I think I honestly disagree with maybe the most or have the most negative. Like, there's no positive that I see in this at all. I am so against the idea of doing progress pictures in general, which I know everyone has different views on that, but for me personally, but let's even get more logistic around it. If maybe progress pictures, you know, they don't mess with you. They're fine for you. But the thing is, is our body doesn't change from day to day. So what is the point? Like, why do you need to take one every day? Because next thing you know, you take one and you look at it and you think, oh, I don't like that one as much today. So then you start beating yourself up. I just don't see what the the purpose of taking these progress pictures every single day is, especially because this is a mental toughness challenge. Please explain to me how taking a progress picture every day relates to your mental toughness and how we couldn't have just chosen to do something else. To me, this is physical transformation challenge. And it's screaming that. Otherwise, you wouldn't have to take the pictures and you wouldn't need to be focusing on body checking every single day. I mean, that's just the gist of it. This leads me into the next piece of it, which is the fact that they totally market it in the way of a physical transformation. You can sit there and type everything that you want about how it's about mental transformation, but that doesn't mean that it is. I mean, we see wellness influencers do this crap all the time. They'll say, oh, do my gut health challenge. It's to help you to improve gut health and have mental clarity and blah, 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 blah. But really, it's just taking out a bunch of foods and restricting them. Like, that's not a gut health challenge or a program. It's just you restricting a bunch of foods. Like, no one's fooled by this. It's the same thing with looking at, like, the diet programs that we used to have in the past would always tell you, like, oh, this one's going to be different. And they never are. Like, it's the same thing, guys. It's not any different than anything else. And so I just think it's kind of funny that if they really just care about people developing mental toughness, and they're not making money on this challenge, at least in the sense of making people pay to do it, to which is to their credit, because I think they could have easily monetized it. So I do think that is a benefit. 
But if they really just care about mental toughness, then why is there such a need to market it? And why is there such a focus on the physical aspects? If it's not about physical transformation at all, and it's just a side effect, then why are there progress pictures all over your website? And why is your progress picture the first thing that comes up when you scroll and they talk about the like results of it? Now, to go along with this, what I think is really interesting is that there's no plan for after this. And this is the part that I've seen really F people up. Because if they lose all this weight or their body changes, which that doesn't happen for everyone, granted, but if it did, and then you take this away, obviously your body, rightfully so, is going to go back to the place that it needs to go, being adequately nourished. And a lot of the times, too, you may be having a rebound effect. You may have been doing something specific, but then because it was so extreme, you feel like, okay, well, as we said in the milkshake analogy, you got to eat all, it's not even an analogy, as we said in the milkshake study, I should say, you have to eat more of the milkshake or whatever else it may be. So not only is it not as extreme, like what you're going to be doing in day-to-day is not going to be as extreme as 75 hard, so your body likely is going to have some shifts, it's also potentially going to be a rebound effect. And then there's also the percentage of the population that tries to keep doing this. And that is just extremely, extremely, extremely harmful. Yeah, maybe there are things that you could take from it, but to continue to do this exact plan, I mean, it is going to wreak havoc on your body. So it's just interesting that we talk about all these mental toughness things and he says like, oh, this is gonna absolutely transform your life and relationships and all of this. But at the end of the day, is that really what's going to happen? I mean, if it's not a sustainable change, how is this really going to make a difference? Why couldn't we set up other goals? Like, yeah, read 10 pages a day, do a meditation three times a week and build that up to seven times a week. Try to start moving a goal number of times a week. All those type of goals that then you can sustain outside of it instead of being so mentally and physically exhausted and burnt out, especially depending on your situation, that then you have to rebound and go into something totally different. Why would we just focus on mental toughness for 75 days when we could do mental toughness and develop consistency in multiple areas for a longer piece of time and actually be able to continue those along with taking care of our mental and physical health in the way that's most beneficial to us. The last thing that I want to mention that kind of feels like a side tangent little throw in now is just the water piece. I'm not saying that drinking a gallon of water a day is bad, but it is way too much water for some people. For him, it actually is probably about the right amount based off what he shared about his body weight. But for most people, you only need half of your body weight in ounces, and it can actually be really dangerous for you to drink too much water. I know that sounds silly, but it really can just because of like electrolyte balances and everything. So I would not suggest a gallon of water for most people. It's, as I said, half your body weight in ounces typically. So again, just another example of how Last con, I mean, there's so many cons. I could honestly go on all day. This podcast is already at an hour, so you guys know I have a lot to say. But he is not a nutrition or an exercise professional. He's just some random guy that started a company that, yes, it is a very impressive company, but he doesn't have any backing. First form supplements are not even 
third-party tested, so who the frick knows what's in them anyways? And he's telling everybody to do this stuff. Like, this is just so diet culture to its core. Some random, privileged white man telling everyone that they need to do this. Ah! Okay. I want to get into a personal story that makes me literally feel, like, emotionally charged just thinking about it. And it pertains to exactly some of the claims and things that he was saying in his podcast that really, really rubbed me the wrong way. So, if you guys have been here for a while, this is not your first episode, you'll know that I struggled with an eating disorder. I struggled with orthorexia. I struggled with fitness obsession, chronic overexercising, and obviously body dysmorphia as well, plus some restriction. So for me, that was obsession about ingredients. It was obsession about amounts that I was eating. It was obsession of protein. It was counting my calories. It was weighing my food. It was a lot of different things. And I won't get into the specifics of exactly what I was doing in the gym, but I can tell you that it wasn't that different. than what we're talking about in this challenge right now. So the thing is, is I didn't just do that for 75 days. I did that for four years almost, at least three years of pretty much following a schedule just like this. I was obsessed with reading the self-help books. I was attempting to be perfect and disciplined in every single area. I would wake up and go to the gym at six in the morning, even if I hadn't gotten enough sleep and I was up until two studying. I would always be drinking way too much water. I was literally doing this challenge. I would never allow myself to rest and I always thought that I knew better than what my body was telling me. And I did feel like a failure. Whenever I would not live up to the expectation of doing whatever goal that I had set out for myself, I would not just feel like a failure, but physically be unable to even like move through this. I mean, I never, ever veered from my food rules and exercise rules. Not if I thought that I was literally going to, like, die. I wouldn't have done it. I mean, that's how severe it was, guys. So from the outside, people looked at me and they said, oh my God, she's so disciplined. She's so healthy. I wish I could be like her. I wish I could do what she's doing. I wish I wasn't so lazy. The thing that happened for me is that I felt pretty good at the time. Like, yes, I really struggled overall with, like, being tired and, like, feeling the exhaustion and all of that stuff, but I just wouldn't even allow myself to feel that. It was just that whole idea of, like, no, that's just weakness trying to bring you down. Like, just keep going, whatever it is. But overall, like, I didn't feel like I had a problem, at least for the first, like, two years that I was doing this. Like, I truly felt like I was unstoppable and everybody that would try to stop me was just 
jealous of me. They just wanted to be like me. I mean, it's so embarrassing to admit, like, even just thinking about it. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I, I sound ridiculous. Like, it's truly just, oh, it's so embarrassing to even say it. But that's just the truth. And then the thing was, is that even as I realized I did have a problem, I didn't want to admit it because I was so embarrassed about the idea of people knowing that I could have been wrong, but also about losing that piece of my identity. Like, what were people going to think of me then if I wasn't doing the same things? Would they think I'm not disciplined? Would they think I'm lazy? Like, what are they going to say about me? What about when my body changes because what I was doing was not sustainable at all? Are they still going to think I'm pretty? Are they still going to think I'm enough? Are they still going to think I'm that person. And also what about the emotions that I've been suppressing by constantly doing all of these things and always trying to reach the specific goal? What about those when they come up? So I didn't do anything about it. And then my junior year of college, I had a mental and physical breakdown and I was in the hospital for days going through tests and tests and tests and tests over and over again of all these different things. Basically to find out that it was just my body revolting against me. You know, it was essentially putting me into these 24-hour like seizure-like activities. Not 24 hours, I'm sorry. Multiple hours, seizure-like activities multiple days of the week, almost every day, sometimes multiple times a day, because I was just pushing myself too much. It was trying to tell me you have to stop. And even then, as I decided to recover and like to stop doing the same things with exercise, stop putting myself up to the same standards of perfection, not just in this area, but in all areas of my life. And as I allowed myself to start to, you know, feel more things, the repercussions that I deal with now, it's, they're extreme. Like, it's, it honestly makes me emotional to think about just because, like, it's so hard. It's one of the hardest parts of, like, not regretting the struggles that I had with food and exercise because, like, I do believe that all of the things that happened to me, they happened for a reason. I know that not everybody resonates with that quote, so if it doesn't work for you, that's totally okay. But for me, it's helpful. Um, and I don't say that when I work with people because I know that that doesn't necessarily resonate. But for me, I just believe that when I look back at everything that happened to me, it led me to doing exactly what I'm sitting here doing with you guys right now on this podcast, you know? And, and so I feel super grateful for that. But I am 25 years old and at the age of 23, I basically developed knee problems so bad that I wasn't even able to walk. Sometimes even a hundred feet because I was in that much pain. When I went to the doctor, they were basically like, yeah, if you continue to work out, you will have so little cartilage that you'll have to get a knee replacement. I have aches and pains and scar tissue in so many areas of my body from ignoring injuries and just continuing to work out even when I shouldn't. And especially from not nourishing myself enough. Even though I was eating perfectly, I was actually eating enough per my calculations that I had done. And I was eating perfectly quote-unquote healthy. And still. And I also wasn't drinking. I didn't mention that either. I did the whole thing with the not drinking. I barely drank. 
Even my freshman year, I barely drank. And I have to deal with these repercussions for the rest of my life. And at the core of it, it was a lot of fear around my body changing and feeling like if my body changed, I wouldn't be good enough. I wouldn't be loved. People wouldn't look at me the same way. And it was also this desire and ridiculous pursuit for perfection and constantly needing to have a goal. Now, I am a fan of goals. I'm a fan of motivating myself. I own my own business. If I, if I wasn't motivated, that would be problematic, wouldn't it? But what I realized is that this mindset that 75 Heart is talking about, and even if you look through Andy Frazella's, you know, t- t- tips and all that stuff, it is hustle culture at its finest. And it does work for someone like him, and it works for some people. I'm not going to deny that. But the reality is, I would like to know how many people it works for that don't have a net worth of $110 million. That don't have a team of people that are helping them every day in their job. That don't have unlimited access to supplements that they're using. That don't have a support system. That don't have all of these different things that come later in life when there could potentially be that come down of recognizing the burnout and the exhaustion and the physical ramifications that you could be dealing with. I know that what I'm doing right now is taking a challenge and making a leap. I'm using my own experience that I have emotional charge around to discuss some of the potential challenges that could come up from something like 75 hard. And I want to acknowledge that because I don't want you guys to think that my emotion around this is swaying my opinion of it. My opinion of this is that it's trash because of the fact that for most people, it is not going to be helpful for all of the reasons that I've listed. And I think that in the bigger picture, the fact that something like this has and will continue to create eating disorders, develop disordered eating, create injuries, create perfectionism that affects people's mental health, makes others feel like they're failures, all of that stuff, it totally outweighs the potential benefits for those out there that are living a life that allows them to do something like this. And I, again, I'm not saying that those people that do that are doing something wrong. But at the same time, I'm trying to help people acknowledge why I feel so strongly about the fact that this is something that is not helpful in the bigger picture and that it is overall harmful. I think that the concepts that he was trying to share, as I listed in the pros, can definitely be something that we all try to work towards. But why does it have to look like this? Why can't it be that we're working on meditating 20 minutes a day? Hell, make it hard. Do 30 minutes of meditation two times a day. Talk about hard. Talk about mental toughness. Sitting by yourself with your thoughts instead of dieting. What if you had to do something along the lines of truly tapping in to your hunger and fullness, understanding what actually feels good for you for the long term, really figuring that out. That freaking is hard. 
What if you had to journal every day along with the meditation and the reading? What if you had to learn to set boundaries with family members and people in your life? What if he gave you a goal of starting whatever business or whatever thing that you've been wanting to do? What if you were given a hobby and said, you need to work on this hobby for 40 minutes every single day for the next 75 days? What about all of those other things that can be mental toughness? Why are we doing four out of, I mean, how many? Three out of the four of the things are all have to do with, why am I forgetting? Yeah, so one, two, three, yeah, four. Four out of these things are all physical, and yet it's a mental toughness challenge. To me, I call complete freaking BS. I think it's hard because I know that this comes across as strong. And a lot of the time, people don't really like when, especially women, have strong opinions. It's okay for Andy Frazella to get on his podcast and scream about how everybody is a failure and a loser and people in wheelchairs should go around and wheel around outside even if it's raining. But it's not okay for me to say, hey, this could be problematic and cause eating disorders and cause a lot of mental pain for people. Of course not. That'd be crazy, right? But I don't care. I literally don't care because I'm sick of people that have no credential and no empathy, no awareness it like copious amounts of privilege, money, resources, and literally a lack of awareness in any area around why other people could not complete something like this and how the language that they're using and the way that they're speaking together, I mean, speaking to others to be harmful. I'm tired of them being able to create challenges that spread like wildfire and anyone that speaks against it being extremely criticized. I mean, I posted a reel on this, guys, I don't know how long ago. Let me see if I can try and find it. I posted a reel on this. And the comments were just hilarious. I mean, it was like, if you're lazy, then you should just say that you're lazy. Like, it just goes on and on and on and on. And it just, again, proves the fact that it's like, people are always going to have some sort of comment. Oh my gosh, I found it. Okay. So obviously there were people that were like totally agreeing, but then here are just some of the things. 75 isn't a mental, a fitness. Oh wait, I should read you the video. Okay. So there are so many things in diet culture that I dislike. There, there are not many things in diet culture that I dislike more than this challenge. The reason why is, is because it's deemed as healthy and disciplined when it is actually just unsustainable and terrible for your body. We know that working out two times a day isn't good for us. Oh, sorry. Did you hear that? The music? Oh my gosh. I am failing this, aren't I? Okay. Here we go. We know that working out two times a day isn't good for us. We know that not taking rest days isn't good for us. We know that dieting doesn't work. And yet the makers of this challenge put this together as if it's some revolutionary discipline challenge. If you actually want to create discipline, choose a routine that isn't so extreme and stick to it. This is in itself actually what takes a lot more discipline than completing insane challenges for 75 days and then going into going to the exact other extreme right when you're done. It's obvious that the people that made this challenge actually have no scientific backing to their claims on any front. The energy it gives it the energy it gives is disordered eating plus grind culture make a baby. (laughs) 
I think I'm hilarious. And then I say, I'm sorry, I'm speaking so passionate. I try to say more neutral, but the amount of clients I've seen that have severe mental health challenges and eating disorders makes me feel like I need to speak up. Okay, so let's go to the comments. 75 hard isn't a fitness challenge. It's all about mental toughness. If you've ever listened to Andy's podcast or read his book, you understand the challenge and the challenge has nothing to do with fitness. I completed 75 hard phase one, two, and three. I went into each of the challenges knowing it's not a fitness challenge. And this is for my mental health to teach me how to be mentally tough because life is going to throw you curveballs. And this is why the majority of people will look at it from an outside and judge it completely before they know where the actual roots of the program came from. people saying working out twice a day is not actually bad as long as you get enough calories and sleep. Someone else says, I did this challenge last year. Didn't finish it because I got COVID day 64, which I think like, anyways, there's a lot that could be deduced by that. The guidelines are not as rigid as you might think. I took two active rest days a week, which usually meant my exercise for those days were yoga and a long walk, blah, 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 blah. Also the diet guidelines are completely up to you. I ate home-cooked meals, understand how this may be promoting diet culture, but it is considered a challenge to really press oneself towards better habits. Okay. And then someone says, as someone who literally just finished it, this is all bullcrap. I respect you have an opinion on this, but unless you've actually done the challenge, you should not speak on it. This challenge meets every individual right where they are. For example, an outdoor walk is awesome with walking my dog, so I sh- you should re-examine... So I would re-examine why you hate this challenge because it's actually a life-changing challenge for anyone and everyone. Someone said, 75 hard was awesome. I recommend it. It's not for everyone. Most people wouldn't dream of subjecting themselves to something so difficult with no necessity to do so. For the ones that do, however, they come out sharper and harder than most others in society, especially the people that hate on it because deep down they know they could never try it. So that's how they cope. For that one, I responded and I said, I had orthorexia for actually, so I actually did 75 hard, but worse for two years. But thanks. Thank you for saying that's how we go. Oh my gosh. I think I'm hilarious. Um, sorry, I'm laughing at myself. It seems a little ridiculous, doesn't it? But I honestly think I'm so funny sometimes. I just wanted to give a perspective on like how extreme it really is and how people respond to it. And I get it. Again, I just want to say I get that people have positive experiences and all that stuff. But I think that in the greater picture of things, what we really need to do is look at things like seasons and recognize that in order to actually meet people where they're at, we don't always need to have such strict strict guidelines that everyone is told if they can't do them, this makes them lazy and not mentally tough. So for me, I think a lot about seasons, like this upcoming season going into Christmas. When it's Christmas for me, I still focus on things that help me to stay mentally well. And my physical well-being is, of course, a part of my mental well-being. So I will still work on meditating every day. I know not everybody likes meditating, but it works well for me. So I still work on meditating every single day. I still work on trying to journal at least once a week. I still read almost every single day. I still like to go out on walks and get outside. That's something I really like. Even if I'm not going on a walk, just getting outside I know helps really to ground me a lot. I still will complete things in my business because even if I'm focusing on family, 
there's still other things I, I want to do. And even for me, since I'm at a healthy place with my relationship with movement, I'll still get movement in too. But I'm flexible with all of these things. And there are things that I'm not as flexible with as well. Like the meditation, I, I try not to be flexible with that because I know that I can fit that in every day. So I think about what do I need to do to help my mental health? There may be other seasons outside of Christmas where my number one priority is not my family and celebrating and enjoying the season and spending time and having connection. There are times where it's a main focus on my business. When I'm launching a Live Unrestricted program, I'm honestly not spending as much time with my friends or texting people or with my family. I may not be spending as much time moving my body as my main focus. I may not be spending as much time with Brian, like doing date nights. Obviously, I'm still going to maintain all of those things to a certain extent, but I have set up boundaries to know that that's not my main focus in that season. It's something else. So I do believe that you could have a season where you focus more on movement. I mean, especially athletes, right? And we're all athletes to our own extent if we would like to be. You know, when they're in season, their main focus is around their physical health and their body. And that is their job. And that is completely fine. You can do that in your own micro sense. But that doesn't mean that it has to be this extreme with no flexibility. Anytime we try to make life exist in extremes, we forget that we are humans and that, yes, we need to push ourselves, but also one of the biggest superpowers in the entire world is learning how to listen to ourselves because the entire purpose of life is to become the best version of ourselves and to think that there is a program out there that all of us could follow to just become that version and biohack our way into it without any type of personalization really to the person. Yes, I get that you can personalize it based off the guidelines, but I'm still just going to say that doesn't really make sense. I also just wanted to quickly mention that as I've already alluded to, there is a lot of classism and privilege that comes along with even being able to have seasons Like what I was just saying about me having the ability to focus on different things in different seasons is a privilege. And that's based off of my upbringing. It's based off of my race. It's based off of my gender. It's based off of my sexual orientation. It's based off everything because those things affect everything in our life, right? And to be able to say, oh yeah, I get to go home and focus. I get to pay to go home and focus on being with my family and opening gifts and all that stuff. And that's the season and get to have all these yummy meals. That is a privilege. The same thing with being able to focus on my business. There are literally single moms out there working three jobs and raising kids on their own. They don't get to have seasons. So for all the people that speak about mental toughness and how if you can't do this, you don't have mental toughness, I would love for those people to try and live their life in someone else's shoes that is actually dealing with extreme difficulty. That guy saying, oh, this is just how you cope if you couldn't complete it because you hate on it. Really? Because I bet there are people out there that have done things 20 million times harder than this challenge 
and they weren't given the choice. It wasn't this cute little challenge that they got to do for fun. It was their life. It was growing up with alcoholic or abusive parents. It was struggling to literally have food on the table. It was being around gun violence and having tons and tons of kids had their lives taken. Like, it is a very privileged position to be even able to do a challenge like this and act like by doing that you're superior and more mentally tough than everyone else because of the fact that people out there couldn't do this because they're dealing with so much challenge in their day-to-day life that they couldn't possibly fit this in because it's not a fun game to them. It is their reality to live in struggle. I know that I'm taking this to another level than what it needs to be taken to, but honestly, listening to that podcast and the way that he spoke about this challenge is what made me do it because he goes there in all of these areas and it just pissed me off to hear him be so just ridiculously insensitive and unaware. And so that's why I went there. That's why I wanted to talk about this, and that's why I took it into a freaking hour and a half podcast episode that went into every single freaking angle and gave you the whole background on him and tried to go into everything. I honestly feel like I could talk about this for three hours. Like, that is how strongly I feel about this challenge, but I feel like that would definitely lose you guys, and who knows if you guys are even still here (laughs) at the hour and a half mark. But I really appreciate you listening to me and also just hopefully learning something. Maybe you came to this and you loved 75 Hard and now you have a little bit more of an open mindset as to why there may be some people that don't like it. And that is my goal. Like that is all I could hope for. So I wanted to, before we go and before I give you my rating, just give a few different explanations and experiences from people I will say I just put this on my story. I forgot to do it yesterday, so I'm so bummed about that because I would love to have had more experiences in this, but I am going to read them. So someone started it off by saying six million, it's just like the longest number, a bunch of numbers, percent diet culture. Emily said, it's extreme and not sustainable or realistic long-term. Sophia says, why does it exist? I don't like how it promotes no rest days or exceptions that's not realistic, healthy, or sustainable. Sarah says, leads to inevitable feelings of failure and self-doubt around things that are not significant. Not a fan. Someone else says, I've never done this, but like, what are you supposed to do after? Just stop and be okay with it? Sophia says, too restrictive of a mindset on our life full of freedom. Um, someone else said they did it in January from this year and they loved it. For her, it gave structure, it gave day structure and it was a fun challenge. Gracie said, even just hearing people talk about it makes me feel like I'm not doing enough. (laughs) Brian says this. Brian, this is my partner. They say it's 66 days to create a habit. Two, two days just seems like a bad habit. (laughs) So true. Anne says, I think it's really unnecessary. I want to just say, because there was only one positive in there, like, as I read to you in the comments, like, that at least gave a little more perspective of that, the fact that there are definitely people that have had positive experiences with this, and I'm never going to say that 
me trying to put this out there is trying to convince you of the fact that people don't have positive experiences. I just also am trying to share the fact that there are a lot of people, like you heard in here, that also didn't. And I know people personally that have come to me, many clients actually that I've worked with, that have done this and developed eating disorders, developed severe body dysmorphia, developed gut health issues. I mean, everything that you could imagine in the book they have dealt with after doing this challenge. So there are both sides to every story, but I hope that this opened your mindset. And honestly, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably struggle with your relationship with food, body image, exercise to some extent, or at least feel influenced by diet culture. And if you're feeling that way, this is not the challenge for you. It's not. So my take on this is this is a nine out of 10 diet culture rating. 10 is the highest you can get. Why I didn't give it a 10 out of 10 is because there was a little bit of flexibility. So I think that you could try to alter this to make it slightly less, like to give context. Ozempic, the episode from last week, that was a 10 out of 10 for the means of weight loss, not for the diabetes drug. Um, and especially for people that like don't need that drug, that was a 10 out of 10. This is therefore a 9 out of 10, especially because I did like the reading point. So it's not a lot of redeeming points. Anything that is over like a, a 3 is probably a no-go honestly. Maybe a five. Just depends. Now, the last thing that I want to just do is give honorable mentions to two things. There is a soft 75 that someone has promoted. Don't like it. Doesn't make it any better. There is Project 50, which is a shorter 75 hard. Don't like it. Doesn't make it any better. There are people that do this and still focus on like taking out certain types of foods or removing different stuff. Same thing. Don't like it. So, if you're ever questioning, oh, would Mallory think that this is better, but there's still a lot of focus on creating rules around food or exercise, the answer would be no sorry. Woo! How are we feeling? This is the longest podcast episode I've ever had. I should have known. I mean, I was starting to get fired up listening to that podcast. So I'm going to have all those links below for you guys to check out. If you have questions about this, please feel free to reach out to me. I am always open to discussion. I am not a perfect person. I understand everybody has different experiences. I would never judge someone or not be someone's friend or anything crazy like that because they've done this before, but I need to match the same intensity of the person that created this because I'm sick of everyone being scared to say anything because it's taboo and because someone out there that has a super strong personality wants to tell everybody that critiques it that they don't know how to cope with challenge and they're not mentally tough. Because F that. All right. I'm going to let you go. It's been long enough. I can't wait to see you guys next week. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye, guys. Bye.